Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God from Isaiah 65, our Old Testament reading for this morning. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is God's word. Wolves and lambs don't graze together, do they? Lions don't eat straw like the ox. And the serpent... The snake certainly eats more than just dust. The prophet Isaiah holds before us a day when what he's just described here will be reality. Where what will be reality will be not what we're accustomed to seeing and experiencing. Perhaps you, like me, have those moments where you're a little more mindful and a little more, you find yourself longing for this order of things to pass away and a new order to come. There were a couple instances I heard of this week, not anyone that I knew personally or was close to personally, but a couple tales of suicide and the grief and fallout from that. You're just reminded how broken this world is. And then everything that happened in Kenosha this week. And I got to be honest, I, pastorally, I really struggle because I know we don't want to talk politics from the pulpit. And yet there's something that I feel the church needs to say about these things that are going on in our world and just the brokenness we have between one another. where We have people who are so divided and so angry, and yet I'm kind of at a loss even where to begin that discussion and to be able to say anything with authority. And it's times like this in the wake of death, in the wake of hatred and division and violence and our struggle with it, you just long for the wolf and the lamb to graze together, for the lion to stop devouring its prey, but rather eat straw like the ox, and for the serpent, the devil, to not feed on our hope and on our promise for the future, but rather to eat nothing but dust. Well, of course, it is the great hope and promise of the Christian faith that all of this will come to pass. And the scriptures use all sorts of different images to describe what our future eternity, what heaven will be like. The Bible describes it as being like a garden. That's Revelation, right? The very end of the book, it'll be like Eden, paradise. Revelation also describes it as being like a city, a new Jerusalem. 
And we have some of that Jerusalem language in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah 65 today. Jesus will often describe it as being like a banquet. A huge celebratory feast. Like the one outside of which ten virgins are positioned and waiting in our gospel. And that's not just any banquet. The Bible also uses the image of heaven being like a wedding. It's the bridegroom for whom the virgins wait. A garden, a city, a banquet, a wedding... All of these give us a picture, an anticipation, a hope of what heaven will be like. But I especially want to draw your attention to the one at the very end of our reading today. In that verse I read about the wolf and the lamb, the lion eating straw and the dust being the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy Mountain, says the Lord. Isaiah loves the image of the mountain. And that might not be the first thing that comes to mind when you think of heaven as a mountain. We may not even really know what mountains are like. People might laugh at us. We live in an area, we have a town called Iron Mountain. Where is that mountain? Pine Mountain? Millie Hill? Those aren't mountains. My youngest right now is in the mountains. She traveled yesterday to Colorado for a ski camp in preparation for high school ski season. And I asked her for pictures as she got there and was riding on a bus from the airport to the place where they're having the camp. I'm like, Sophia, I want to see the mountains. I've never seen them. They kind of sort of have mountains in Puerto Rico, but there's no snow on top of them because they're not nearly so high. Though we're not accustomed to life in the mountains, it is a biblical picture of what our eternity will be like. And I want you to think of all the profound moments that happen between God and his people on mountaintops, Moses and the burning bush. Moses later, with the children of Israel being gathered at Mount Sinai to receive the law of the Lord, the Ten Commandments. Even the holy city, which we hear referenced in Jerusalem 65, it's not so much on a mountain, but it is in the tallest place in Jerusalem, Mount Zion. The temple of God's people sat above everything else. Because in order to meet God, He must come down and you must go up. And on the top of the mountain is where God meets his people in the Bible. It carries on into the New Testament, doesn't it? Jesus goes on a mountain of transfiguration where he is revealed in glory. There he shines with the glory of God and the voice of God speaks to his people, Peter, James, and John. On top of a mountain. And it is, of course, outside the city of Jerusalem on what we refer to as Mount Calvary. That the Lord Jesus Christ bears the sins of humanity, sheds his blood. Mountains in the Bible are where God meets his people and Isaiah is no exception. 
God creates a new heaven and a new earth. We read in chapter 65, verse 17. God creates, we read later on, a Jerusalem. And what is it that God is doing here in His mountain? In His heaven He has prepared for us? He is undoing everything as we know it. And so Isaiah records these words of the Lord that speak of justice being brought about. All the wickedness and evil that we see around us when we long for something different. It's all undone. So things are not as you know them. It's not just the wolf lying down and eating and being together with the lamb. It's not just the lion eating straw like an ox. It's not just the serpent only having dust for food. No more shall there be in it heard the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. Like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Everywhere we see brokenness and wickedness and everything falling apart and everything not as it should be, that will all be undone. Everywhere we see injustice and wrong seeming to triumph, we will see what is good win the day. We will see justice done for all peoples. No more. The sound of weeping, the cries of distress. Oh, what a picture. No more weeping or distress, but reversal. That's what happens on the mountain. And if everything is reversed, I think this is where we begin to make some sense out of our role in this world that's falling apart. You see, we do spend so much time lamenting the brokenness of the world. And how wicked it has become out there. And how it seems that evil wins the day. But if we live in a world where everything must be reversed. And everything must be turned around. It must include us as well. You see, it's one thing to recognize the corruption and wickedness and evil in the world, which is real, which is there. But it's another thing altogether to recognize that the very same corruption, the very same evil, the very same wickedness dwells in you. You must be reversed. You must be undone. For you cannot continue as you are. You know, if I were to go back to talking a little bit about Sophia and her trip out to the mountain, she'd be mortified right now if she knew how much I was talking about her in the sermon. That's what you get when you go to ski camp and you miss church on Sunday morning. You get talked about in dad's sermon. 
We, with, with us not having really experienced, Heather and I not really having experienced the mountains, not knowing a whole lot about it, we were leaning a lot on the, the coaches and those running the camp to explain how to prepare. And one of the things that we were told, and this was our very intentional focus over the last week, was hydration. Because apparently, when you go up into elevations like the Rocky Mountains, into the top of these mountains, you can get sick. There is elevation sickness that comes from adjusting to the height. And there's, you know, we heard of kids who weren't prepared who come out to this camp and they spend the whole week in bed sick because they're not prepared. So it was getting all the electrolytes and all the things we could do to pump these fluids into her so she'd be ready to go. And you also have heard, I'm sure, stories of those who have climbed mountains, those who have climbed the highest peaks of the world, and how dangerous it can be. Because not only do you need hydration, but of course the temperatures can become bitterly cold. And the oxygen is depleted up there because as the higher you go, the less oxygen there is in the atmosphere, the more difficult it becomes to breathe. So you're dependent on water. You're dependent on air to sustain you as you climb a mountain. And in order to climb the mountain of God's heavenly kingdom, well, you can't do it. Because you're broken. You're sinful. You need to be reversed. And so, the God who loves his creation and those whom he has placed in it provides us with living water. Jesus speaks about it in John chapter 4. When he speaks to a Samaritan woman about how her ancestors had worshipped there on the mountain. Jesus comes to give living water. Jesus comes to breathe life into those who are dying, to those who are oxygen depleted. Without the life that he gives, without the water that hydrates us, that saturates us, that nourishes us, you can't be on the mountain. As five foolish virgins found outside the door to the feast, if you are not prepared, you're in trouble. They shall not labor in vain. Or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord, and their descendants with them, the Lord says. Thanks be to God that here, as we struggle, as we hurt, as we come to grips with the reality that the struggle and the hurt and the evil and the brokenness are right here. 
that God blesses his children. We are not children doomed for calamity. But we and all the descendants of those who hear the Lord's promises and receive in faith the work of Christ done for us upon the cross. The mountain becomes a blessed place. Because Jesus Christ has died for you. Because he has risen from the grave for you. And because he breathes life into you and waters your dried, parched spirit. Your place is on the mountain. He puts you there. Whereas we read in Isaiah 25, in one of the passages I often use at funerals, is on that mountain where Isaiah draws upon another heavenly image. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Death is undone on the mountain. Because Jesus is risen from the dead. The cross that took his life on Mount Calvary does not hold him in the grave. He rises from the grave so that you may live on the mountain with him. That you may feast with him for all eternity. And that as you encounter everything that is broken in this creation in which you live, you would know that God makes all things new. A new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, a mountain, a holy mountain, where Jesus gives you breath, gives you life, nourishes you. As we encounter everything that is broken around us and within us, God grant that our eyes and our hearts would be fixed on being given this breath and life and water that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ, now and for always. Amen. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.